This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. Hey, thank you everybody for joining us on this week's edition of the Kamloops Real Estate Insider podcast. It has brought, been brought to my attention several times that I, I continually use Kamloops Insider and I wanted to find that more relevant as the Kamloops Real Estate Insider. So uh, today we have a special guest from the city of Kamloops. Our guest is Dave Jones. Dave, thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. What a great opportunity to reach out to your for your association and explain some of the situations that you're asking about. Yeah, absolutely. We have the uh, Kamloops Real Estate Insider cast with us, Emma behind the mixer, and doing some fact-finding for us if we need be. Um, Ali Carroll's in the house today. Good morning. And uh, Philip Petison is with us. Good morning. And myself, Parker Bennett, from Royal Page Westman Realty, here with all the life. Um, let's just jump right into the podcast. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to talk about legal and non-conforming suites. Um, it has been, in my experience, that there has been a lot of misconception and uh, misinformation with the re- let, let's let's say, with the idea of a legal or a non-legal suite. And there's a, a bunch of terms that realtors and people use in general. And I think today we should put the stomp on whether or not, um, put the stomp on, let's just shall we say, what is and what is not a legal suite. And then we can kind of get into some details about that, maybe some issues that run, run with that. So Dave, this is your first podcast. It is my very first. So it's uh, interesting to see how it works out and maybe there's something we can do. Yeah, you never know, right? <laughs> Um, tell us about yourself. How'd you get into uh, working for the city of Camus? Well, I started years ago as just as a general auto mechanic and decided that I wasn't going to do that for 20 more years. So I thought I'd try the government. And so I applied and got on with the city of Camus and worked my way up into the bylaws and then uh, slowly into property use inspector. And then, of course, now I've been now for a year and a half a business license inspector and property use coordinator where I coordinate the enforcement in the development service department through the building, through business licensing, and of course, land use, which is our topic today as far as legal suites. Okay. So when I hear the word enforcement, I already get a little nervous. <laughs> Let's change that to compliance. There you go, compliance. <laughs> a little softer approach. Yeah, it sounds yeah, much nicer. That is actually <laughs> a positive word, <laughs> yeah. compliance. Yeah. So we seek compliance. You know, that's our, that's our motto there is that we're seeking compliance by a property owner or by a business license owner. So... Uh, it's, a, it's a cooperative approach where we, 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 we take and look at the situation and see where we need to go and see how we're going to get there. And through the cooperation, uh, I'd say I'm 100% successful. Okay. So let's start with zoning. Let's just start with define what the purpose of having zoning would be. Or your zoning, actually, you know, obviously through the city of Camels, we're just going through the uh, exercise of now creating our OCP, our official community plan, which basically recognizes the how Camels is going to grow, what it's going to look like, where certain things are going to be in the city of Camels. Uh, through the process, I believe now we, they've been into two to three years with our new OCP, uh, with lots of uh, lots of cooperation with the community, lots of input from the community, different user groups, obviously real estate associations to see how, for the next 20 years, Camels is going to survive and what is going to provide the citizens of Camels, business owners. So zoning actually looks at where we're going to put certain uses. 
Today's topic, we'll talk about the residential use. So from the residential side, there's a, a vast varieties of different kinds of residential, uh, whether it's multifamily, whether it's single family, or whether it's all kinds of different residential. Yep. And obviously by doing that, that kind of dictates uh, what neighborhoods are going to look like. Right. So the idea of the zoning is to ensure that you're not creating vast amount of, say, apartment blocks in one area, but stretch it out over town where the need is for different parts of town, a single family or a two family. So everybody has a different idea of how they want to live. So we provide an opportunity with developers of different style of housing. Right. And then also to sort of complement the city's infrastructure, right? So That's correct, yes. You don't want to bunch everything up in an area where the infrastructure is limited. And then you don't have the ability to sort of get people to where they need to be or schools of that nature, you know, right? That's correct. And I think you're right now you're looking to see a lot more development in downtown areas to kind of fit infill now. So yep. you're having a more, you know, a little more density into some of these areas. So, you know, obviously that you're not getting with single family lots, you're going to have more apartments and uh, strata complexes stuff. So. so when you say the new plan, are you, are you talking, we're talking about the old, like I remember it used to be called camp plan. Is that like a newer version that you guys are working on That's now? That's correct. OCP, Official Community Plan, which will obviously look at, you know, what the old plan says, uh, right. see if it met its goal, see if things need to be changed or tweaked, right. uh, and then see, see if there is a new direction. Uh, you know, do we need another bridge? Uh, do we need another road? Do we need more roads? You know, certain things of what we need and how does it, uh, how does it, how does it look? What does the, what does the community want in our, our community for the next 20 years, right? Do, right. We, do we want that arts and ten, ten, entertainment building? Right, yeah. So. I remember that was right. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, how do people get involved with the, with the development? Like, is, is there a place where, like, people can voice their opinion, get involved with regards to what the community plan looks like? Well, for three years, uh, there's been a, a group of individuals at our office have been reaching out to community. They've had lots of open houses. They've attended different events to reach out for that. So... Uh, for quite some time now they've done that and that's exactly what they did they reached out into the community asking for their input uh, they met with the stakeholders different community groups organizations to get that input and then now they're formulating i believe it's in it's been passed to, into the council so i believe the community plan has been passed okay. so you know it's now it's time to start implementing some of that now through that community that OCP there, you're going to look at some different community plans themselves. Let's say they might have a Brock or a Juniper plan, so they'll be upgrading some of those as well. So, Right. Interesting. I look forward to reading it like I read the camp plan. I think I bit and bite it just very tastily. <laughs> um, okay, let's just jump right into some of the misconceptions with uh, sweets. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say a word, and I want you to define what that means to you. Okay. Sure. In-law suite. <laughs> An in-law suite is taken out of context in a way that people believe that everything's approved as long as they have family living in it. Right. Because it's the in-law. Like an informal. That's right. So years ago, uh, the city of Camels was asked whether or not you could have a family member living in with you. However, they wanted to put in a second kitchen. Right, uh, because mom and dad get up a little earlier in the morning. Uh, they want to have their toast and their morning breakfast uh, before joining the rest of the family. So the rest of the family thought, well, we'd create a little area, and but they need a little kitchen down there. Right. So they would allow them to put that little kitchen in it, and of course that was the in-law suite. However, that in-law suite with the second kitchen had to be included as part of the whole house. Right. Right. However, unfortunately, uh, through that 
the process and getting permission there, there was always a restriction on that when mom and dad left or if the house was sold, that suite had to be removed. Right. So it was only it was only good for at the time of who made it for the application, yep. and for how long they lived in it. Does, does that still exist right now? No, because we've been informed by legal counsel that we can't regulate who lives in a suite. We can only l regulate land use. So a number of years ago, we don't we don't we don't register those covenants anymore for that. Okay. So a suite is a suite. A suite is a suite. It doesn't matter who lives in it. It's just the fact that you have a separate dwelling unit within a single family or something else that houses a separate family altogether, whether it's your own family or someone else. So uh, a second kitchen, bathroom, and bedroom hived off in a small little corner consists as a dwelling unit, which would be a suite. Okay. Oh. So here's one that we probably haven't heard for a while, but we used to hear it in real estate a lot, which was legal non-conforming. Any... Any thoughts on that? Sure. So let me explain. There's a difference between legal non-conforming and pre-existing non-conforming. Okay. So that means prior to 1973-74, City of Kamloops was divided up into various communities. North Kamloops, Brocklehurst, Valley View, Westside. All those little communities had their own bylaws, which would allow them to regulate what kind of residential units were in those little areas. So let's take, for example, North Kamloops. So North Kamloops had zones where they would have a piece of property that was zoned for single family and two family. That means you could have a house or a duplex on that. None of these small places had anything to do with secondary suites. Right. Okay. Around 1973-74, the government told you know, Kamloops, you're going to have to incorporate all these and they take them all in. So, we, so they all then fell under the city of Kamloops bylaws. Right. So our zoning bylaws. So back in the good old days, there was no suites in. Uh, however, we know that in the good old days, Europeans used to like to have a second summer kitchen. Right. And of course, you know, that's where mom and dad went down there in the summer when the, it was 100 degrees in Camelops and there was no air conditioning. Right. So then, of course, they created the second s kitchen downstairs. Right. So, of course, what happened when those houses got sold, then you have an upstairs and downstairs, and you created a suite downstairs, right? So back then, we know it didn't exist, wasn't permitted. However, under the city of Kamloops, uh, we do have under our bylaws a you know, single family with a suite, if it's permitted. So it's not it's pre-existed before our bylaws. Yep. However, it was never allowed. So it was pre-existing, non-conforming to our bylaws today. Okay. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? It does. Yes. That yeah. So in other words, it can, it, it, it can exist. However, to this today's, our zoning doesn't permit it. Right. So it wasn't ever permitted, but it's there, it's there, and it's... If it becomes damaged more than 75% of its value, yep. then it doesn't get to be put back in. So that's pre-existing non-conforming. So it doesn't conform with the present bylaws, so you can't rebuild it. So okay. now that's interesting because it brings up a, a really important question. As a real estate agent, if we're listing a property under the assumption that the, the let's say the owner is saying... This is pre-existing, added here since 1972. Um, how would we verify that that it is pre-existing and that it's it's like pre-existing, non-conforming, but but you're okay with it in its current state? So the city of Camels does does contain and have a lot of records from these other small communities, the Brocklers, North North Camels. So we do have a lot of building records. 
So we can determine whether or not that suite actually was allowed or not. And there has been a few that over the years we found that were permitted. So right off the bat, we could determine uh, if you made the right application, yeah. whether the suite was ever legally put in. Okay. However, saying that, in 19, uh, I think around 84, the city of Camelot's come up with a policy. And the policy says that if you can prove prior to 1979 that there's a suite in that house, that will give you permission to use it. Okay. Okay, and we call that a letter of comfort. The letter of comfort says is that we recognize it's there, you've supplied the information to prove it was there prior to 1979, and as long as it it's continues to be used, it doesn't get damaged, you need to make no changes, you can use that. So we can provide you a letter of comfort. However, it's now, what is it, 19, 2018, you're looking at close to 40 years now trying to backtrack to find some of those records. Right. So it's, it's our policy says, you know, telephone records, hydro records, um, there is some, actually some books. I don't know, you guys are all a little bit too young to know maybe, but in the library, I used to call them the Snoop book. And there's a Snoop book and it lays out every address in the city of Kamloops yep. and actually tells you how much is there. So if you look at 1234 Pleasant Street, you can see there's actually two different owners there or two different people living mm -hmm. there in the phone book. So we, that would give you some information saying there was a suite there. Well, oh. interesting. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, so say we don't have this letter, uh, but uh, an owner says, uh, I'm being charged on taxes. Like I have two. They came, they checked, I have two, mm -hmm. and it's fine. This doesn't mean that it's, it's not legal. It might be Does that mean that it has been pre-existing or... So what we, does that mean? So we know that uh, BC Assessment does an assessment and determine kind of what the land use is being used for. So they'll come along and they'll, they may have some information that supplies to the City of Camels that there's a suite there. That just says there's a suite there. It doesn't mean we've checked it, we've okay. authorized it. It's just that they recognize it from a land use that there's two dwellings there and they assess the property as that. So we may not even inspect it. However, we also have a program over the years where um, we've recognized there is houses that have secondary suites, legal or not, that are using our infrastructure, using our water, using our sewers. So we've, we send them people a letter out and saying that your utilities will be adjusted accordingly. However, if you don't have that suite, let us know, give us an, a call, we'll come do an inspection and we'll take that charge off, off it. So over the years, they recognize that the extra strain on the infrastructure obviously costs money, so we're going to charge accordingly for that. And we know that some of these suites have never been approved. So okay. if, if that extra charge is on the taxes, does that mean that you have approved of them? No, it okay. does not. That just means that BC Assessment recognizes there's a suite in there. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. okay. So again, we don't do the assessment. BC Assessment does that. So. Okay. Hey, but but you're, you're obligated to, take, to tax that infrastructure. Yes. Right. So would it be fair to say that when a representative lists a property, I'm sure you guys have the ability to go on MLS and evaluate whether or not it's got a suite in it or not, or at least it's been claimed that there's a suite in it. Um, would you guys tax that as well? Like, would you go and... I don't believe... Well, I, I know that the taxation department does follow and review some of that stuff. 
Um, and of course, they do have the option to phone um, BC Assessment and say, listen, we know there's a suite there yep. to go reassess it, right? Correct. Uh, they do that with the utilities. They used to do the utilities to, to uh, double charge the utilities for a user. And it's a very, a very small charge. Right. So, you know, so at the time before we had water meters, you end up paying about with your water and your sewer about $320 a year. Now, of course, now with the water meters, you just pay for water use, so that one charge on the water side has mm-hmm. been removed. So now you pay about $126 a year for sewer. So to have that suite in there, the fee for it is pretty low. Right. So, so but I mean, from um, whether the taxation reviews each real estate listing, I don't know if they do or not. However, there's like a lot of other infrastructure aside from that. Like, I mean, schools or hospitals, you know, like basically if you're living in a suite, you're really not paying any taxation. You're not really paying for the school catchment that you're in. Or well, well, if the, if you're being taxed as a suite, then the homeowner. Right. Mm-hmm. If you if you're taxed as a right, suite, it, yeah. then you're paying for that, right? Right. Okay. So, but it's it's interesting. It's we and I think it's a kind of a way to try to for our community is to try to find out, as you mentioned, the catchment area. How many kids are in that area? You know, is it, is there enough room for schools and stuff? So it's kind of nice to know where the people are living. Right. Yeah, Otherwise, absolutely. we talked about you know it, there may not be enough room in that school, or do we have do we have to ship them off somewhere? So right. Okay. All right. Let's let's define all the little chunks that make up a legal suite. So we first of all we need to be zoned correctly. First of all. Correct. So you need to. You, you can be zoned single family with a secondary suite, or yep. you can, or a lot of times uh, it's like an RT1 or an RT2, which is zoned for a duplex, uh, but you're allowed to have a single family house with a suite in there. Right. So uh, in other parts of town, there's you would rezone to RS1S would be a single family house to allow a secondary suite as well. Right. So we would, in, in order to have a legal suite, we, we got to start off wherever our house is needs to be zoned for that type of permitted use. Correct. Um, and then, so this is the, this is the part that I find a lot of people get confused with just because it's zoned for a suite and your, your brother and uncle built you a suite in the basement still doesn't make it legal. Right. So even though the property is zoned, uh, if you look kind of further down into the zoning in it, there's also some other criteria you need to meet. So the lot might not be big enough. It might not have enough frontage. It might not be. It might not accommodate what's needed for the secondary suite as well. So whether it's RS1 or RT2, there is some other further criteria. So it's zoned for it if you meet the criteria. Right. Right. So once once it, through the process of coming in for a building permit, yeah. they review all that. Right. So they look to see whether you meet the frontage, whether you meet the setback. Is it a lot very big enough? So through the building permit that you need to apply for, to install the suite into your house. Yeah then that would all be determined. Right, okay. Yeah, because I, I can recall something as the nature of a, like a panhandle is not going to get and we don't or... And we don't support that because obviously the person on the front half of it is going to then have to put up with extra traffic down that panhandle lot. So it's kind of like you own the big lot, you subdivide it. Yep. Um, you may or may not own the houses forever, yep. but the person out front may then have to deal with a little more traffic. Right. We already got traffic going back to the residential house, throw another suite in there, and now there's more traffic again. So we right. don't support, we don't normally support suites and panhandles. And even though an example would be a lot of houses that are on cul-de-sacs, 
even though the lot's big enough, the frontage of the lot, because it's in that arc, right. it doesn't mm -hmm. meet the criteria right. to allow the secondary suite because we asked you to put extra parking in. Right. So if you take away the whole frontage, then you take away on-street parking as well. So we, we kind of limit is how much on-street parking gets taken away, how big the frontage of the lot is to accommodate an extra driveway space. So we kind of look at how's it going to affect the neighborhood. Okay. So let's say so far we're good. We got a we got a, an approved lot that's zoned correctly for uh, secondary suites, a secondary suite, and we've we the next step would be we're at the building department and we're going to apply for a permit to build a conforming legal suite. Let's talk about some of the features that would be in that house in that suite that would be different than some of the non-conforming suites that you're seeing. So the biggest thing is when you're talking about dwelling unit is life safety. Right. So, you know, what are those life safeties? So you got to think of a suite is a box within a box. You're going to protect two different families or, you know, you, so you may have a family upstairs, and you have a family downstairs. Each one of those people need to have certain criteria met. They need to ensure that if um, they phone 911, uh, that the place is identified as having a suite, that the ambulance or fire knows that there's an extra suite there, there's somewhere and the entrance is accessible. Same time now we talk about fire protection. That box, that box inside that box got to be protected from the outside, vice versa. So early detection, you know, interwired smoke detectors. You know, you're going to have a, a heating system that shuts off so that if you fire downstairs, you don't have smoke going into the upper unit. Uh, you have emergency egress. Does each unit have an egress for the, out of the bedroom, right? So and then the whole kitchen is the is a stove and the, and the ventilation all correct. So you're trying to protect those individuals in that house from each other. Yep. At the same time, making sure that if there is an emergency, each other one knows there's an emergency too. Yeah. So in life safety issues, the building code's important, and that how the whole suite is structured and built for that life safety concern. Okay. What about separate metering? Is that a requirement? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, again, that's kind of up to, you know, the good old days is let's just share the let's just share the electrical cost. Right. However, you know, everybody's consumption no different than water or different things. It's different consumption rates. So, they put in the extra meters so that obviously if it's a legal suite, uh, then it's up to the renter to put the hydro into their name, right. so that they're paying their bills and there's no discrepancy of who how much you paying and how much am I paying or whether it's cable the same way. You might want a different plan, right? You may want sure. to have an internet that's better. So. The legal ones moved in that direction to make it easier to dis to change and to allow each person to pay their own way, you might say. Sure. Typically, the ones that are illegal yeah. are the ones that have the one meter, and they go, well, you pay 100 I pay 100 but then obviously there's all, I get calls all the time. Well, why am I paying more than they're paying? And, you know, I think they're using their electricity more, so, yeah, yeah. you know, so. But, I mean, that's over the years. They, they the whole electrical systems in the house when they were built were not meant for the suites, right? So right. any new suites are being built, they always make that change because there's a different draw for different usage, so. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so now let's talk about non-conforming suites. Do you, do you have any estimate as to how many you think the city of Calumas has? Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 or maybe more. Wow. Wow. But we've got to remember, yep. they supply a very important role into housing in Camelops. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah. you know, the city of Camelops, years ago, created the, the policy of how we're going to deal with those, right? Yeah. 
uh, and you know the councils come out and said that you know it's going to be driven by the neighborhoods and to let us know how they affect their living quality let's talk about that for a bit so explain to us the policy so I have a non-conforming suite over here um, what's the process that the city of Kamloops takes if there are issues so we, we, we require two written letters two separate written letters from two separate business property owners within 150 meters okay. and in that letter it's got to explain how they know there's a suite there and how the activity at that suite is affecting their peace and enjoyment of their property right, right? so it's we just don't want over the fence neighbor disputes saying you know Bob you know I don't like how Bob runs his house and vice versa so we need to hear what really affects the neighborhood right. once we receive those letters we review them to see if they meet the quality of the need for the policy then we, then we approach the landowner. We, we re, uh, request an inspection, yep. we do the inspection, and we go from there. Okay. Of course, there's always options. And again, we understand the need for the suites. So the yep. first thing we do is we have to inform the owner that the, it's not zoned or it needs to be a change, and we start working with the owner to bring them into compliance. Right, okay. I would say that for the most part, it's minor, uh, but for a lot of times people don't realize that it may be zoned, they haven't done the building permit part, mm -hmm. and that could be the expensive part. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. typically, you know, if you rezone it, most of the time the city council have supported it. However, we had a few times, obviously, if you get more than two neighbors and you get a whole neighborhood coming out, council's going to listen to the neighborhood and say, you know what, this suite's causing some problems, so maybe at this time we're not going to support that rezone. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and plus rezoning is, is not a super easy tactic either right well the unfortunate problem is through our policy again if you have to rezone yeah everything's doubled in charge too so a regular rezone fifteen hundred dollars right. you're gonna get charged three thousand dollars so you better be sure that the neighborhood's gonna support right right so again start buying some wine at <laughs> 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 Christmas everybody but I mean it's important for the for the council to listen to the neighborhoods right yeah you know if if you run a suite and you don't have any problems as we know we there's a few but obviously we've got 5,000 around we're not having all those so there's a lot of suites in town that operate well yep. operate well within a neighborhood obviously the neighbors talk to each other and say if you got a problem with my tenant or something come over and talk to me we can deal with it yeah. so mm -hmm. you know they do supply an important part of the housing market and like from the research that we've done, we've found that Kamloops is running about a 1, 1.2% vacancy rate. Well, you got me there. I don't know. <laughs> Which is sort of skewed, right? Because it's, it's, a, it's a number that they pull from a property management, you know, property managers and not necessarily running around to everybody who has a basement suite in their house and saying, hey, what's your, what's your yearly vacancy rate so we can tally up and do a, a, you know, right. a, real, a real evaluation of that number. But... 1.2%, sometimes that can be considered vulnerable in the sense that, you know, we have a big university, we have a lot of people that come in from out of town to visit the university. The, you know, the on-campus dorms there do not support that entire population. And so they sort of spread out amongst the, the university campus and stuff. And um, like I know firsthand from like University of Victoria, there was a time when you, you knew if you were going to Victoria, there was just no way you were getting, like, residence was going to be a very difficult pro, a problem for you, uh, which may have affected whether or not people go to that campus, right? So it would be a 
be super important here because TRUs are our biggest employer. Yes, and I think you're seeing that in the uh, in the commercial growth in town. I think there's a lot more residential being built. Uh, obviously, up in Sahali area, I think you know last fall that TRU announced a big change for how they're going to develop in their area up there. Yeah, a lot more housing units been being built up there. If you go up McGill Corridor, there's a lot more housing in there. So I think you're absolutely right. Uh, However, saying that, there's also kids and international students that want to live away from it. And within the community, we have a lot of those, you know, up in years ago, up in Sihali, when it was still Caribou College, you know, up in that area, all of those houses were changed to suites to allow for college students to live. So right. we do, we do know there's a lot of students living within the community, you know, and I think all parts of the community now. Yeah. So what, what would be the difference between a border in relationship to a suite. So let's say you are a single family zone property. Um, now in that zoning, there is description of borders. That's correct. So if you had, let's say three or four borders because you were taking kids in from, from the university, how would that affect, like, how would that affect you from a zoning perspective? So let's, let's just talk about what a border and lodger is. So under our zoning, you're allowed to have only two, not three and four. Right. So again, as a family, and your family's defined of, you know, what's that's makeup as it could be a husband, wife, and a couple of kids, you're allowed to have two boarders and lodgers. That boarders and lodgers are to share the house, right. not to be hived off in, in a separate dwelling unit, but they're to share the house. In good old days, you know, uh, someone would prepare the meals and the boarders and lodgers would be upstairs at the kitchen table sharing the meals well as with you. So that the boarders and lodgers is someone that lives within the community, lives within your house, shares a bedroom in the house, but is just part of, almost an extended part of the family. Right. Okay. Do you, do you ever get issues where people are complaining of, let's say, too many people, too many residents at an ex-house... And you go there and you find that it's just a bunch of borders. It's not necessarily a basement suite or, or whatever, but maybe too many borders. Yes, we do. We have that all the time. Because, you know, through our zoning, you know, we define what a family is, right? Okay. You know, we define that, you know, if you're related by blood, marriage, adoption, foster care, that's a family. So you could be two people or you could be ten people. Right. But you can still have those two borders and lodgers. However, when you go there and you got the mom and dad and one child and you got five students, well, they're not part of the family anymore. They're boarders and lodgers and it's too much. So we have to say, hey, listen, sorry, right. it's, you can't have all those people. Even though you have a house that has six bedrooms, yeah. you, unfortunately, you can't have all those boarders and lodgers. So. Interesting. Interesting. And it just, it, is, it, it, it depends. You know, some students have vehicles, some people don't. So, again, we're looking what, what, what was the complaint driven by? You know, what are concerns for the neighborhood, right? Right. We have also some housing units that are bought for the purpose of strictly rental. So they become, we be, that become that little college dorm, you might say. Right. Mm -hmm. So you end up having yeah. a whole bunch of kids in it. So we got to yeah. go into limit it and talk about what can be done with the owner of how many people can live in there, right? Right. But we have other bylaws to deal with that. Is it parking? Was it loud parties? Was it noise? So, no, there's not only just a zoning, you know, we have other tools that will help regulate how that residential property will operate within a neighborhood. Right. Here's an interesting story I heard uh, from a cousin of mine. Shouldn't mention any names. Probably listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, so they, when they were in college, they, in order to have a party at the, the house that they had all these kids at, sort of like a bit little mini dorm, right? They would go to the city and they would pull a permit for a family reunion. And you can actually have a block party on your street for a family reunion. So they would do that. They'd operate in this way, right? So they could get this party. Eventually the bylaw shows up and, and the RCMP shows up and they're like, 
this does not look like a family reunion. <laughs> right? Well, again, you got to be careful because what is the family defined as? Well, that's interesting, right. right? So, you know, everybody has a different conception of what a family is, and that's some of the struggles we have, right? So, yeah. you know, how you make up your family may be different than how I make up my family. So we've got to be yeah. careful. But, you know, we try to accommodate everybody and you know and even talk about the block parties we probably would allow it yeah. but i mean you go to the neighbors and tell them that you have one invite them people too yeah right we have that all the time so let's talk about the new development side of things i would say you know in bachelor heights juniper west um upper aberdeen some of those areas that really stand out in my mind you're getting new construction that is owned single family um but you're getting the infrastructure preparation for a basement suite in most of the new builds. So how do you think that affects future use of the property um, or, or does it matter? Well, I think, you know, as we spoke earlier about the City of Council reviewing and going through their new OCP, I think the next discussion now will be, you know, what, what if any land use will be available to extend that single family suite use Obviously, right now it's zoned. Yeah. Um, you know, other communities within British Columbia have kind of outright, outright allowed it in those single-family zones. However, they got to meet some other criteria. So, you know, I think the city of Kamloops will have to review that issue yeah. and make a determination. You know, can we extend that use? And obviously, if the infrastructure is there, uh, then it's not going to be a burden on that. Right. right. However, you know, obviously there's other considerations as far as you know the parking, on-street parking, and some other issues. Um, you know, typically we ask that you provide two off-street parking for every residential house. Uh, when you add a suite, you need to add that extra space in there. But we also don't want everybody's front lawn to be just one big parking lot. So yeah, we yeah. try to ensure there's some landscaping as well as there. So, you know, from the infra infrastructure part of it, I think, you know, we're building towards that. Yeah. But I think in some of those areas, you'll find that there's also been some two-family residential areas built in there as long. So you're not running separate, you know, infrastructure for those areas. So you're providing new areas for a single family and new areas for two family too. So, right. you know, I think through the planning and through the development, you're, you're having a good mixed use now and they're, and they're looking at providing more opportunities for more people to put in those secondary suites legally. Right. Interesting. Any care to share any lustrous information on the, on that topic? I just, um, I find that I have a lot of clients that are, are um, asking about that, right? They, they, um, they particularly want to have a place that they, they can have a suite in it, yeah. right? As a mortgage helper, whatever it, for whatever reason, right? So sometimes it's just, uh, you go to those, the new builds and they're all roughed in, everything's ready to go for a suite. So like, perfect, this is great. Yeah. But then... We just need to make sure that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the key. We're finding more and more of that in the new builds. You know, you know the houses. Everybody wants a luxurious houses, and they're a little more expensive now. And sometimes, obviously, now with the new stress tests and some of the mortgage ways, some of people need mortgage helpers. Um, and we, the city of Kamloops, need to have people have an affordable place to live. So, obviously, looking at those new houses, obviously they can make the inquiry to see whether you know what they need to do to allow it to happen. Right. And a lot right, of time, yeah. it's long. A lot of times, it's just a matter of a you know, quick little application and a rezone to allow it to go in. Um, some of the, the some of the developers up in Aberdeen, they actually they actually kind of pre-identified which lots were going to be able to be allowed to have the suite. So there is some places that they're looking developers allowing that too. So unfortunately, sometimes some people want 
that nice big view lot that don't quite accommodate that secondary suite. So they may have to go look somewhere else or yeah. go through that rezone and try to get it through. So, you know, I think the city of Camels is working well with their developers to identify that more and more people want mortgage helpers and more and more people don't mind sharing their accommodations. And uh, I think they're moving forward in the right direction that way. So, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Have you, have you had any experience with anybody trying to retrofit an existing home to, to, to meet the requirements of a suite? Let's say it was zoned correctly already. Um, somebody come in and say, listen, I want to retrofit my 1975 builder box home to put a suite in. I want a legal suite in here and um, pulling a permit to do it that way. Quite a lot, quite a lot of people, have you noticed on the North Shore now, Brockler's area, a lot of those older homes out there, yeah. of course, a lot of that property is zoned uh, to family or secondary suite. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you know, for thirty, $40,000, they'll come in and do that renovation. Really? Oh yeah, because oh. it's well worth it, right? Yeah. You figure that anywhere from probably eight hundred to fifteen hundred dollars a month for rental income yeah. doesn't pay take long to pay that off. Obviously, you know, obviously you guys would know that obviously by putting a legal suite that also boosts the value of that house. Mm -hmm. So from a re resale perspective, you've got a, a better product. You have a product that people know there's a secondary suite there. It's legal. So when they do buy it, they do have a legal mortgage helper that the city can't come along and say, hey, so we got a problem here. So, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the North Shore especially, when there's all these older homes that had all these summer kitchens, yeah. um, you know, they you know it's pretty easily to change so. I would say the value of a legal suite has changed. I believe that they're more valuable now than they ever used to be because we're going to be in a situation where I think banks are eventually going to say, because it's not zoned for a suite, I, I can't help you debt service your mortgage with that income because it's just not stable. That's correct. Right? Whereas in the past, we've always said, you know, it's not conforming, it doesn't matter, banks don't really care about that. They'll use that income to generate X amount of your mortgage debt service load and it's vulnerable in such a way that if you're an if you're an ignorant buyer meaning that you're not really aware of what you're getting into and you lose the right of your suite you now lose the right to be able to service your debt on that mortgage right that's great and we we're, we're getting more and more calls from banker lenders asking that question you know is this suite legal right. and just for the simple reason is you know they the, the ask is that they need to have that $1,200 for uh, an assessment of rent. Yep. Uh, they need to know whether that's guaranteed or whether that can be taken away. Yep. And obviously with the new stress test, uh, with an addition on there, yep. the lenders want to make sure that the people that are borrowing the money can pay that back. So, you know, we're more than happy to supply the information to the banks and more than happy to supply the information to the real estate agents or potential buyers as what can, whether or not that suite's legal. Yeah. Um, is there any, I've heard the rumor, tax, taxing the non-conforming suites, is that something that may come in more aggressively in the future? Again, I would have to, you know, touch base with our taxation department, yeah. but obviously, you know, obviously through the OCP review and obviously if it's going to allow more secondary suites to come on board, uh, or obviously a review to, with BC assessment to ensure that, it, you know, it, it actually accurately addresses whether there's a suite or not there. Right. But I think you would probably find a lot of those houses now are obviously, obviously already have the assessment of a suite in it already. So, okay. so you know, it just, it just adds value to your house as well. And, you know, accordingly, you're taxed on your value of your house. So. so is that how the assessment does it? They just sort of assume, okay, there's a suite in here. The value's now gone up, so we're going to tax it at this number. It's not like a real... Well, BC assessment is based on your assessment of your house, and then your assessed value is through the tax rate through the city of Kamloops, right? Right. So, you know, whatever BC assessment 
uh, assesses your house at in accordance with the neighborhood or the market is they do the assessment right. and our our taxes is just based on that assessment so if you have a problem with your assessment you phone bc assessment you don't phone the city of camelops because yeah. we're not the one to go in and do the assessment if you want to have it reassessed sometimes they do an inspection you go see what it's inside and they already adjust your assessment value so yeah okay do you guys get that question a lot where you get people are complaining about the assessed value and yeah, and then we just yeah. and then we just refer them to BC assessment, and yeah. you know I wouldn't you'd have to ask them of how many times they reassessed and how much changes are made, but you know I think in this day and age everybody thinks everybody pays too much taxes, so right. if you can ask someone to come and reassess and drop it a few thousand, they will, right? So yeah. it's not a, not opposed to picking up the phone and say come and reassess my house or why is my house assessed like this? So yeah, absolutely. There've been situations where I saw that realtors had to change the description on the MLS. What drives them to do that? Obviously, it was is it the zoning or what? Because obviously, it came from from you guys. The suggestion: don't put it's a you can have a mortgage helper there. You had to change your wording. Why is it? So a lot of times, uh, what we call it at our office is a, a building information request, and that that usually is sent in by the real estate agent asking whether or not the city have any outstanding concerns with that piece of property. Uh, through that, our our staff will review it. And they'll look at the listing itself. And of course, they see the listing where the real estate agent has stated that it has a secondary suite in or, or that in-law suite or that mortgage helper. So we put on our BIR that this is a single family residential neighborhood and no secondary suites are permitted. So it would be the, the zoning, basically. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So we would note that that wasn't permitted, right? Yeah. And it kind of gives a heads up to the potential buyer. If you're saying that you've done a BRR and they go there and they see the suite there, and then, of course, they look at the BRR and it said not supposed to have it there, and they go, well, what's the problem here? So, yeah. so it's just kind of, you know, we're reviewing our process and what information is going to be put on those. Uh, but I think it's an important component for the real estate agent, the owners, to, to ask specific questions as to, is that accessory building been built with a permit? Is that secondary suite been permitted zoning or with a building permit? So if you really want to know, just ask the question and uh, we'll get you the answer. Right. Interesting. Any closing thoughts? I think that was awesome. Very informative. Yeah. yeah super informative. So yeah. would your suggestion say to get a ZIR every time we get a house with a suite? If you ask for a ZIR... And then ask specific questions. Uh, they'll, the, the staff will address those exact questions. If you're asking for a BIR, which is a building information request, they're looking for any outstanding issues. We do mm -hmm. have some properties over the year that have taken out a building permit and for some reason haven't completed that or haven't formalized that, so you'll have an outstanding permit on that property. Yeah. So then we would come back and say, you have an outstanding permit, this needs to be addressed. And a lot of times it's minor stuff, but sometimes it's, you know, they didn't, didn't finish something so it needs to be addressed before they can f finish it and it then of course then it's left up to the new owner to finalize that permit right so if it's mm -hmm. going to be two thousand dollars probably not a big deal but if it's a forty thousand dollar bill then the new owner might want to know that so so we kind of let them know so we're reviewing it to the building department and our planning department is you know whether there's something more that can be added to them brrs or whether we got to change the wording mm -hmm. on it but i mean uh, we've had a, a lot of discussion over the years. Um, we want to make sure that the real estate agents and potential buyers are getting the, the answers to the questions they really need to know. Yeah, I mean, I think we take it for granted that 
the misconception of the BIR is that you're going to find something that's never had a pull mm -hmm. permit pulled, which is totally incorrect. It's yeah. it's going to be basically an outstanding permit, or I'm um, not saying this from the city of Camels, but on the TNRD side, if there was reason to believe that a house was built without permit, that would show up as uh, as has been flagged. And the only way to really flag it for them is to get it on an information request, like a, a building information request. Um, but for the most part, like an auxiliary structure that's built without permit um, doesn't show up because no one pulled a permit. It's right. not really being flagged anywhere as, as, you know, whether or not it's it's been built correctly mm -hmm. or not. So then then you would need to take that additional step to look into a permit trail. Exactly. Right, to, to locate where the auxiliary structure permit would be, you know, has it been finalized? Obviously, if it was pulled and not finalized, it would show up on the BIR. But if it's never been, you know, if the permit was never pulled in the beginning, then we're not going to see anything. Yeah, you know, it's pretty well impossible us to go inspect every property all the time. So it's kind of like you folks, when you go do your first inspection, where you're going to list a house, you have no idea what's there, right? So yeah. we, we're the same. We don't know what's always there, and we don't have any way and means of tracking what's being built other than if you've come in for a building permit. And then we have a record. So unfortunately, we do know, but a lot of people do some changes to their houses. A lot of a lot of times, those changes don't require permits. But when you're adding secondary suites or when you're adding accessory buildings or additions to your house, those all do need permits. So if you really want to know, ask the questions, and we'll dig out the information to find out you know what has been done with the permits or not. So. Perfect. Right. I got your number on speed dial. I'm gonna phone you directly. I have no problem. Yeah. Oh, I have can no I have that, that number? Yeah. So, yeah. So, you can have that number. Not a okay, problem. Okay, perfect. So, uh, I won't give it out on here, though. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's, that's good information. I mean, I'm, my goal of the, the meeting was basically to sort of create a resource tool for people to, like, be able to draw upon information and, 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 and listen to what we've discussed about all the different itemized areas of misconception, for, for the most part, um, about suites and, and how they kind of correlate with the city of Kamloops. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show and taking time out of your day to, uh, to discuss this with us. I thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And uh, maybe we can have you back on here sometime for something else. Sure. Uh, one final comment is just to please understand that the city of Kamloops is not out there to shut all the illegal suites down. Yeah. Again, through their policy, we're there for, because of their problem within the neighborhood. We know they're an important part of the city of Kamloops' uh, housing market. So, right. but we still also have to have some rules and regulations. How do we kind of reflect that to the community? So, I appreciate the opportunity to come in here and, and kind of address some of the concerns and, and talk about the misconceptions. And we're always willing to work with the real estate market or, or the owners to make things right. Get it to compliance. Exactly. Yes. My new model: get it to compliance. Well, <laughs> you know, it makes everybody happy, right? It does. I hate it yeah. when I have to go there and deal with people where they've they've taken out a loan with a mortgage helper. And I got to come along and say the mortgage helper's got to go. Yeah. And on a few occasions yeah. where unfortunately people have to sell that dream house of theirs, and now they're back to square one looking for another house again. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And selling yeah. at a discount because it's got no suite in it. Yeah. They bought it at a higher price. You know, fifty thousand dollars added uh, value added to the suite, and now the yeah. suite's gone. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Dave. Appreciate thank you, Dave. Thank, thank you Dave. very much, Dave. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And uh, if there's another topic we can talk about in my job, yeah, we can. Next time we'll talk about grow up housing. How's that? There you go. Oh, <laughs> sounds good. Excellent. <laughs> so, legal nonconforming. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There is legal ones and nonconforming ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it.